G'day friends, Caters. Welcome back to the Hardly Adequate YouTube and Podcast. Today, we're going to be covering off a course from MIT on critical urban infrastructure, and they've got a clinic and everything that they're running it. It's run through a company or, or hosted by a company online called EDX, but MIT is the one that made the course and, and have all the instructors and information there. So if you like what you see, um, please like and subscribe, leave a comment on whatever platform you're viewing this on, but let's jump straight in. All right, so first things first, uh, the course is Cybersecurity for Critical Urban Infrastructure. Uh, if we look on Google here, EDX and also MIT listed as well, it just links to the EDX page. So um, let's jump straight into that. We can see it's preparing city officials, agency staff, new generation of students seeking to serve cybersecurity consultants and understand, help prevent and manage cyber attacks on vulnerable communities across America. So straight up, you can see it's pretty uh, focused on America. Um, it looks like they're training consultants. We're going to get into all this today. Um, this course only took me probably four to five hours to complete. I didn't pay for the certificate, so I didn't do the uh, certification exam at the end, which I think is 20 multiple choice questions based on videos that they give you. Some of the content's really good. Some of it I think misses, and some of it's a little bit, uh, for a better word, misleading in, in what it's actually covering off. But let's first look up what the definition of critical urban infrastructure, because I found that really interesting. It wasn't something that I knew what it was straight away. What jumps to mind is kind of like water, electrical grid, anything that sits within like traditional critical infrastructure. There's a lot of like change in government, how they're defining critical infrastructure these days. So things like food process processing plants now included in critical infrastructure if, if they weren't in regions before because they're there to support the community and support us living our day-to-day -day lives. So with that, all we're going to do is I'm just jumping in. I'm Googling here if you're listening on the podcast to try and see what critical urban infrastructure is. Now, I kind of found this problem where I Googled it and it didn't immediately jump up because if I go and do the same thing for just like critical infrastructure and, and look at that, like that points to like in Google on the side, critical infrastructure or critical na national infrastructure in the UK describes infrastructure considered as essential by governments for functioning of society and economy deserving of special protection for national security. Like that is CI or critical infrastructure to me. Now, CUI or critical urban infrastructure was a term that I haven't really seen before in the industry. Um, I didn't really find much on it. Uh, a lot of it kind of points towards climate responsive urbanism. So I guess how you build uh, urban society to cope with, with not making uh, the climate worse. But the only other link that I found was kind of to like Griffith University, which maybe they're doing like linked uh, education with MIT, which had the same kind of definition. And I'll see if I can find it back just on their, their main webpage. Um, yeah, so straight up, talk, up top about this course, critical urban infrastructure, including energy, transportation, waste management, emergency service and communication systems being hacked remotely by cyber attackers. So that list of what it is that is being hacked is kind of, I guess, the definition of critical urban infrastructure. And again, they don't really get into this in the course, or, or at least from like the quick run through that I did. I didn't really find that they really defined what critical urban infrastructure was. They kind of just jumped in. They're like, hey, we're going we're gonna to help out these agencies. And then a lot of the examples they used were 
kind of the open source hacks on critical infrastructure or they spoke about like city hall or council or, or however it is in, in the States, their IT systems getting hacked, which then they couldn't help out the citizens that they were there to function for. So I guess critical urban infrastructure for me and, and basically for what the scope of the course is, is IT systems, which we use for communication and transmission of data and storage and everything in those critical services that we use in our day-to-day life. So that does include energy, transportation, police and fire service and ambulance and hospitals and the communication systems and everything. But it, it's very specifically IT. It's not ICS OT, which in energy and waste management and communication systems, you do have ICS and OT. And that's like a separate thing to think about. And you can't really apply the same principles that you would in an instant response to ICS OT that you and to IT. And this course doesn't touch on that at all. And it doesn't differentiate it either, which I think is a potentially a downfall, um, not up front, like differentiating that. Because uh, if you're responding to a city hall that only has IT systems, great, cool. Like you can apply all the, all the things you've learned on this course. But if you're going to a small energy grid provider, they do have OT and ICS and you can't apply the same thing. And, and it might look bad that you don't understand the difference in that. So I guess that's just a forewarning straight up front with with what's this. What we're going to look at now is the modules. So um, I don't have something to show on the screen here, but from the course, so it's got four modules and then it does an assessment. So module one is understanding the problem, describing the scope of the cybersecurity problem, identify different lines of cyber attacks, outline the federal government's response to cyber attacks. So again, very US focused define the cyber attackers and their objectives. The MIT module two, so the MIT cybersecurity clinics, initial communications with client agencies. And now it's kind of jumping straight into the students that are working with the MIT clinic and how they're interacting. And it, it's very soft skills, consultant based focus for the course, which is, which is great. And I'll get into that, but it's outlined the MIT cybersecurity clinic and its mission define a vulnerability assessment. I don't agree with the net, the wording on vulnerability assessment, but each to their own. Identify initial questions to ask the agency and how to analyze the answers. Here, they kind of just give you the questionnaires that the clinic's going to use. Very stock standard in terms of other frameworks that are around, and we'll jump into the frameworks at the end as well. Module three, on-site assessment of cybersecurity vulnerabilities. This is great. Like They're doing on-site assessments with their clients to do this. There's some concern around, I guess, the skill level of the students that they're going to send. I, like, I, I don't understand where this course sits amongst other courses that the students are doing. If there's more courses around this that is going to help students better contextualize and understand cybersecurity risks, great. If this was like, hey, you can do this one-off course, join the clinic, and you're, you're good to go, I'd be a little bit concerned if they were sending someone on site with that. But it's basically described how to collect information on site from the vulnerability assessment. So based on the questionnaire that they filled out, explained how how to conduct on-site interviews. So again, targeting those soft skills. Module four, preparing a cybersecurity vulnerability assessment. So this is the the report that they're going to generate at the end. Outline how to prepare it. Describe the areas to be covered in the assessment. Prepare for concerns by the agency that they may have about the assessment. And identify standards of care. And I'll, I'll jump into the standards of care at the end. But again, this last module is very like soft skill focused on how do you interact with someone or how do you interact with an organization? Again, really beneficial. And I think this course does a great job at kind of 
showing it in the videos and being so short. So let's go back to this course as a whole. It kind of, it sits in the GRC realm, which is governance risk compliance. It's considered non-technical, but depending which kind of organization you're dealing with, having a technical background could help with that organization. Again, like I'm focusing in on that energy sector, they may have compliance and actual standards that they need to adhere to rather than just a, a mayoral compliance standard that maybe not so enforced as some of those other standards. What's actually covered in this course is IT and cultural change. So like I said, it doesn't focus on any of that ICS, OT side of things. It's just IT and the cultural change. Ransomware is the prime focus, although it does admit that ransomware is not the only cyber attack that can happen. And it covers off on the soft skills that are core to professional services or consultancy. Now, this is one of the better courses and, and better teachings that I've seen that show students how to use their soft skills. Because what they do is they go through videos, they say, here's, here's the scope of what we're doing in this section, which may be you need to get more information for the questionnaire because um, the, the customer hasn't or the client hasn't filled out the questionnaire um, or the questions. It shows you a bad way, one or two bad ways of how to do it. And then they do a debrief session and they talk through it. Um, with the director and two of the students kind of role-playing the scenario. And then they show you a good way of, of how it can be done. Now, with the good way, I would still say there's room for improvement always, but it, it shows you kind of the journey that the students are going through because the soft skills is, is a learned skill and you need to practice it over time and get better at it. What are some issues that I have with the course? I kind of feel like they up front when they talk about the kind of the ransomware is the prime focus. And they talk about how it's like a thousand cuts against the US and it's state-based actors. I don't quite agree with that. Like, sure, like the example that they give is in one of the case studies, they say the ransomware is developed by, uh, I think it was like Iranian state-based actors. Like, sure, it was developed by them, but it was used criminally, which is the same with all, nearly all Russian ransomware gangs. Like it's just cyber criminals even if they're potentially state developed. I think there needs to be a delineation there between state actors and state developed because state actors have different actions on objectives than uh, cyber criminals do or state built tools that cyber criminals are using. Now, this is because cyber criminals are generally financially motivated, whereas state-based actors are there for deny, disrupt, destroy. They may be also there just to collect information on the company they're they're trying to uh, perform reconnaissance they're using it as a stepping stone for something else potentially the case studies themselves are somewhat misrepresented based on today's knowledge so i feel like some of the case studies they use there's been information come out since and that information that's come out since has kind of shown a different line on what actually happened at the time and that hasn't been reflected in how they're presenting the case studies in this course yeah, and again, it seems like they may allude to some of the researchers may have more information on the topic. And and again, like I can't comment specifically because I don't have firsthand knowledge of any of this. Um, but based on open source reporting and what happened and, and my professional opinion is that it seems a bit misrepresented with some of the information that's there. What is good? The videos, like I said, on unsuccessful and successful client engagements are awesome. Some of the best soft skills training I have ever seen. Uh, it highlights the NIST framework for those that are unfamiliar. So NIST framework is 
non-regulatory um, framework built by NIST. If you don't know NIST, they do some awesome work. They don't really touch on any other frameworks, which is a bit of a shame, but I guess they're, they're trying to keep it brief. It's entry-level upskilling, both helping people and local cities and councils, because there's still, I guess, like a shortage of skills, and especially for that small to medium enterprise, because they may not have the budget to kind of spend time with these big consultancies. Like even the company I'm part of, like we we provide a free resource, but to spend time with us as consultants, like is quite a lot of money. So that's kind of hard. The mission itself, the mission itself aligns with the mission that, that we have and that we all have in cybersecurity is that we, we want to help. Like we want to be there to help local organizations, those that don't have enough budget or skills or time even to kind of invest in exploring what their threat profile is like. And, and this course provides a good basis for students to get into the industry and really instill that mission into them um, to help their local communities, which is, which is really, really good. Like I said, there's an assessment at the end. You can get like a certificate and an exam. Um, I think it's like 129 US dollars at the moment. I don't know whether that's going to change. So who should take the exam? This is my personal opinion and my personal opinion only. No one outside of the US. I, I don't see the point. If they remove the free option and you wanted to like learn consultancy skills and it was still like 120 bucks, I'd be like, this is an awesome course to learn the basis of soft skills. And I would totally recommend it. But if it's still free, I don't think anyone outside the US. Really, you should only get the certification if you want to work at the clinic and that's a requirement for you to work there. If you do want to take it, I'd say wait till the end of the course because I got offered a $20 discount at the end where it was like only pay $109 and you can get this. Or if you want to support EDX. So that was one of the things that they said on the website is that you can support EDX by paying for the certification. Now, I don't know what is involved with that. I'm assuming it's like you're paying for to help with hosting costs. Uh, I know that EDX does do have some people on their staff that teach courses like this kind of thing. So um, it seems like a pretty big platform. Like it's over here in Australia. It's it's probably massive in the US, I'm assuming. But research that for yourself if you want to take the cert. While it's free, jump on it now. What are my other thoughts? So the US is huge and there isn't a single body for cybersecurity. In the course, they list, I think, like 16 different organizations that all have like different jurisdictions from like, the FBI to Homeland Security to, yeah, just like everyone. Um, and in general, they're there to catch the bad people uh, or do the forensics. They're not there to help you do the preparation uh, in the first place. So I can see why MIT has come out with this and, and why they're training up students to do this kind of thing because it's the more people we have to combat, um, especially with America is a big target for cybersecurity, just purely I'd say because of their GDP and their, their standing in the world. So the, MIT's job in doing this course is awesome. Like in Australia, you've got the Australian Cybersecurity Center and there's also state government cybersecurity bodies that kind of fill this role that um, I guess MIT is trying to provide for all different councils and governments that, that are in the US. So, but again, like I think this is a size problem for the US just because they, they're so much bigger in terms of 
um, number of people and a number of different organizations that need this help. They talk about standards of care that aren't really standards. So they, they say towards the end of the course, there's like a module on, not a module, but there's like a section within the last module on standards of care. And they, they say when they're making the recommendations on all of the no's that have come in the questionnaire, that if they, if the customer can reach the recommendations that are made to change that no to a yes, um, that they meet that standard and and they can go away and say like, hey, yeah, like we've we've reached this standard of care for our constituents. Now, I agree with that. Like, I, I don't have a problem with that statement at all. I agree with that in terms of maybe like local councils and stuff. But again, like if you're moving, if this course is to cover all uh, critical urban infrastructure, like considering things like water and electric grid, they have compliance standards and they have frameworks that those compliance standards are backed by. So potentially you coming in and doing this, and and this would be like these organizations have to reach out to the clinic. So it wouldn't be the clinic going and engage them. If those are like, I doubt you would see those organizations reaching out being being like, hey, we need your help. Or if they do, they're going to try and want to put it to their own standard because they have to comply with that. So I like, I don't know the fix to this. Like they could still do it and then try and map it themselves. But again, this is why I guess consultancies exist because they do all that legwork to map, map that compliance standard or framework that they have to then make recommendations based on that. Um, and they make those recommendations that are evidence-based and, and this course covers off on that, like making evidence-based recommendations. Um, and making them achievable for that organization based on their like budget, how many resources they have, what kind of time frame they have, because they they may be pressured by a time frame to reach a certain standard as well. Again, like talking about electric grids, you've got things like NERC SIP. So if we look at NERC SIP, um, if you're in the US, like you'd be very uh, familiar with that. It's good. So I'm just looking on Google again. NERC SIP is the North American Electric Reliability Corporation Critical Infrastructure Protection Plan. Uh, it's a set of standards aimed at regulating, enforcing, monitoring, and managing security of bulk electric systems in North America. So it's a, a standard that electric good companies, I think of a certain size, have to adhere to, or like, not size, but like they cover a certain amount of constituents. But then you've got things like the the C2M2, which is a kind of like a, a self-assessment framework that you can use. Down here in Australia, AEMO, which is the Australian Energy well, Australian Energy, what was it? Yeah, Australian Energy Market Operator. They have a thing called AES CSF, which is built on the C2M2, but it's more focused on Australia. So there's a few changes to the framework itself. And they've also incorporated like Australian privacy laws that they need to adhere to and that kind of thing. And this is targeted at critical infrastructure. So it covers that energy sector, um, both IT and OT. And those self-assessments like organizations do themselves all the time. So that's kind of like another a thing that might not match up between the questionnaire framework that the course wants to cover and then also the framework that the organization has to adhere to. The questionnaires, uh, I had a look at the questionnaires. They're kind of all built on pre-existing bodies of work uh, in other areas that you can find, especially if you have the compliance standards that I'm talking about. If you're a small to medium enterprise in critical infrastructure, then you've also got things like OT cert that can provide resources like this. Like a lot of, a lot of the questions are kind of like, do you have asset inventory? Um, what are your remote access points into your network? And, and again, like 
even if you're small and even if you do have ICS and OT and you can't access any of these resources or, or you don't have enough and someone can come in and help you with the IT portion, that's great because 80% of the attacks into ICS OT networks uh, are coming from the IT networks anyway. So if you can shore up your IT defense, then you're hardening yourself to 80% of that. You're just not hardening yourself to things like the OT ICS specific threat actors that are targeting the OT systems and, and they are some of them are state-based actors. So if you want to read up more about that, I think I just like Google threat groups. Yeah. So if you Google like Dragos threat groups, Dragos is probably like the most comprehensive of this, but there's other companies that do this like uh, Mandiant, which is now part of Google Cloud. They like have put out a recent report about malware that they found from an ICS specific threat. Um, there's a few others around, but I guess like the company that I'm part of and, and one of the ones that is most comprehensive, you can read about the threat groups on the website um, and which verticals. So you can filter for those that are listening. I've just jumped on the Dragos website. So the threat groups, you can actually filter by industry and you can also uh, filter by locations to see which kind of threat groups are targeting uh, you specifically. So I guess that kind of covers off on the course, some good things, some bad things. Like overall, I think it's great. I think that it's great what they're doing there upskilling the soft skills for consultants, particularly from students, because they're the ones that are going to come in. They're going to be the next generation in cybersecurity helping out. Even people who have been in consultancy uh, for a while, I would recommend this to, to watch. It was it was good seeing the role playing that they did and then the feedback that they got. I'd like I personally got something from it from watching all those videos. It's selling that mission of um, protecting the communities that we live in and trying to help out uh, in some way possible. Hey, so thanks for watching and listening. Uh, if you found this useful, please like and subscribe to either the YouTube channel or the podcast that you're listening to. Uh, leave a comment if you feel like that will always help. If you're feeling uh, charitable, again, not tax deductible, um, please check out my buy me a coffee link, which will be in the description for whatever platform you're listening on and consider supporting me. But I'll see you all next time for another video or podcast. See ya.